Welcome to the Mission Driven Podcast, a show designed to empower, educate, and encourage you to stay focused and committed to your mission. I'm your host, AC Cristales. Let's get ready to roll. Welcome back to Mission Driven with AC Cristales. Before we jump into today's show, I want to quickly tell you guys that I hope you all are holding on strong. Without a doubt, these are interesting times that we're living in. So much uncertainty going on in the world, and I'm sure some of you are feeling anxious to get back to some level of normalcy. I know I am. I miss seeing my daughter play soccer. I miss traveling to speak. I miss teaching my students. I miss hanging out with friends. I miss people, period. But now more than ever, it's about adaptability, meaning are you able to adapt when unexpected changes come your way? What approach do you take? Who or what do you turn to? Those are important questions for you to ponder and reflect on, not just now, but anytime you experience something that throws off your equilibrium and just messes up your world. Because I will tell you this, life will always throw you some curveballs. And for my listeners who don't really understand that baseball reference, life throwing you some curveballs means that life will surprise you with things that are difficult and sometimes unpleasant to deal with. So again, how do you handle that? For me, as a keynote speaker and education consultant, man, I've had to postpone four events in the last month. All right. And right now there's currently one in June that is still up in the air because Again, we don't know what's going to happen You know, next month. We don't know what's going to happen in June. We don't know when this whole pandemic is going gonna, is gonna to end or, or really just open up. And, and like I said, bring back a level of normalcy for us. But what is my approach, right? I'm going through these changes, you know, and we, as we all are. But how do I handle that? Number one, the ones that have been postponed or canceled are things that I can't or couldn't control. So that means me being upset about that wasn't going to change the outcome of the decisions already made. Now, did I get upset? No doubt. I was ready to head to Memphis. In fact, the week we went to lockdown here in the Dallas area, that Sunday, I was supposed to fly out to Memphis. So didn't get a chance to go to Memphis. Didn't get a chance to go to Portland. Panama. Panama is one of my favorite countries to travel to and didn't get a chance to go to El Paso. And I love these places because, again, as I said at the beginning, I miss people. But here's the thing. Staying upset wasn't going to benefit me in any way. So I had to let it go. And then I just thank God. God, you, you know, you know what's best for me. And not only that, but even in the midst of loss, there's still something you can be thankful for. And I understand that. So let me say that again, guys, for you guys who are losing or feel like you're just losing so much. There's always something that you can be thankful for. And then step two. All right. Step two, adaptability. I just mentioned that the event for June is still in the air, but a week ago I had a Zoom meeting and aren't the majority of people doing Zoom meetings now, but a week ago I had a Zoom meeting with the people in charge of the event in June and they asked if I would be willing to do my keynote speech virtually. And so my response was, of course, of course I can, you know, let's do it. And I mean, I know it's going to be different, you know, just speaking virtually because when I speak, I feed off the energy of the audience. And although I have an outline of my message, it's never scripted because I love being in tune with the audience and being led to speak by what I feel strongly in my spirit that they need to hear. But again, it's about adaptability. So what if for the next six to nine months, all my speaking events can only be virtual? If I'm not willing to adapt, then I lose out on the opportunity to empower people. So let me ask you some questions. What if for the next six to nine months, 
the gym stay closed? Do you stop working out? Or do you find ways to make it work because you have a goal, you have a mission that you're committed to? Staying or getting fit is a mission, is your mission, right? And what if for the next six to nine months you are mandated to stay in your home? Do you just crumble and worry about things that you can't control? Or do you find ways to make yourself a better person, a better leader, a better teacher, a better parent, a better partner? Understand your ability to improve as an individual is not dependent on a location or a perfect situation. Your ability to improve as an individual is dependent on your decision to get better and your actions to get better. So that's it. Adaptability. You want to thrive or survive? It's not just about how much talent or intelligence you have. It's about if you're able to handle and manage change. And in these times of uncertainty, what is certain is this. Change is the one constant in life. And you're either getting better or you're getting worse. But the choice is up to you. But without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. And today's episode theme, which will be a constant one for the next four weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you lessons and empowerment wisdom nuggets that I got from watching The Last Dance. And for those of you who don't know what The Last Dance is or what it's about, The Last Dance is a 10 episode documentary on Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and their quest for their sixth championship in the 1997-98 NBA season. But even if you don't watch basketball or don't care for basketball, stick with me. All right. As I share some words that will encourage you as you're on your journey of success, because after watching the first two episodes, which, by the way, ESPN will be releasing two episodes every Sunday for the next four weeks, I knew I knew I had to take what I gathered from what spoke to me in the episodes and put it together with the knowledge that I have and share it with you because I want you to succeed. So here it goes. Episode one, standouts, nuggets and lessons. So what stood out from the get go? Biggie. Yeah, I know it's actually P. Diddy's track from Been Around the World, but for me, hearing Biggie sing the hook made that song, you know, and I feel those words. I feel that hook, you know, Been Around the World. We've been playing hated. I don't know and I don't know why. Why they want us faded. Yeah, that song always, always gets me hyped, and it was fitting. You know, Jordan and the Bulls were a global phenomenon because even people who've never watched a game of basketball in their life, most people around the world knew who Michael Jordan was. And I know my students did, you know, because my first years as a bilingual teacher, I had Jordan posters all on my walls. You know, even when I became an assistant principal, you know, you would walk into my office and I would have a Michael Jordan poster, a Michael Jordan frame. I'm telling you, I'm a diehard Jordan fan. So what else stood out, though? What else stood out? Uh, obviously, the highlights they showed, you know, these, this is a documentary, right? Highlighting the, the greatness of the Bulls. So the highlights, you know, were going to be on point. But the one that I always remember is that Scotty Pippen dunk over Patrick Ewing, which is to me is one of the greatest dunks ever. And I also love how the documentary set everything up. You know, it's, it's not just about Jordan's story. It set up Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson because they were also an important part of this championship dynasty. So I love that setup. And I love what Phil Jackson, the Bulls coach, said as well. One of the things as they were interviewing him, you know, while they were going through the highlights, he said this, that we, the Bulls, created an image that people wanted to be a part of. And that's all you can hope for. And man, just thinking about that, right? You know, they created an image. Well, what was that image? It was one of winning in championships. I mean, that's their legacy. So off the bat, you know, I'm thinking, all right, what image am I creating? 
And I want to ask you the same question. What image are you creating with how you lead, with how you parent, with how you love, with how you do your job? Right. What image are you creating? Because every day we have an opportunity to leave an impact, leave a mark. Every day we have an opportunity to lead people in a way that enables them to become the best versions of themselves that they can be. So what we do on a daily basis matters. And it is those things that create the legacy that we leave for others. So is the image, is the legacy that you're creating something that people want to be a part of? And think about this. When you enter a room, when you enter a room, are people energized because you walked in or are they demoralized with just the sight of your presence? Right. That's that's always one of those things that that I've thought about, man. When I enter a room, do people get excited or do people like, ah, man, this guy just walked in? You know, so you really have to think, how am I leading? How am I leading people? How am I loving people? And that's the thing. I want it to be, you know, when I walk into the classroom, right? When I walk into my college classroom, my kids are excited to see me. You know, my students are excited to see me, you know, and I, and here's the thing. I, I play music for my students in my college classroom, which is totally different from what most professors, at least at the college where I'm at, do. And so it gets to the point, right? At the beginning of the semester, the students are like, oh, man, this dude's playing music and he's playing everything from like Pachata, Romeo Santos to Tupac to Frank Sinatra, you know, to Grupo Nietzsche. I'm playing all this type of music, you know, every class period. But anyways, by the time we get to the mid middle of the semester, you know, they're just excited for it. Right. And they're like, Mr. Cristales, you know, what are you going to play now? And so that's what we're talking about. When you lead, are people energized when they see you? Right. Or they just like, oh, you know, we have to be here again. So think about that. That's the first nugget right there. I mean, think about it. Why is it that after 22 years, people are still enthralled? People are still enamored with this Chicago Bulls team. It's because of their legacy. And so as I was watching the highlights, another thing that stood out was, man, I was 10 years old when they won their first championship. So the Bulls, the first championship they won was in 1991. And like I said, I was 10 years old. And so I was laughing to myself because I remember when that happened. I mean, I can still picture it. You know, I remember going outside and turning my water hose on. Right. And spraying it all over the front yard and drinking from it like it was champagne, because that's what championship teams do. Right. And the Bulls had just won. And I felt like I had just won. Right. Jordan had defeated Magic Johnson in the finals. And it was Chicago, baby, right? And you know I'm biased. Chicago love all day, every day here. But as a kid, even as a 10-year-old kid, I was drawn to Jordan. I was drawn to that team. I was drawn to the way that he played. And the more I saw him play, the more I was hooked because it was greatness, right? And that's just how he Jordan was described in this episode. You know, there were certain times that people described him as poetry in motion, Right. There was one moment when someone said that he touched the hearts of Chicago and people worldwide. And there was another part where he rescued a dying franchise. And so think about it. That's greatness. Right. And to me, Jordan made basketball a global thing. Right. Jordan revolutionized the game. So he was greatness and people will always be drawn to greatness. Another thing that stood out to me was how I never knew of the drama within the Bulls organization during that time. So, again, this this documentary is set in 1997, 98. And I was 16 at the time, you know, and even though I was a diehard Bulls fan, I lived in Dallas. And so you have to really understand this because you're probably thinking, well, if you're such a Bulls fan, why don't you 
know or why didn't you know everything that was going on? But let me let me just set set this up for you. Okay, this was before the internet really took off. Okay, I know it's hard for some of y'all to imagine that, but in 1997, the internet was nowhere near like it is right now. Okay, so I didn't have the information on the Bulls except from what I saw on Sports Center. And let me say again, there was no internet, at least not like it is here. In fact, as I'm thinking about it, I remember it wasn't until my senior year in high school in 1999 when I really started using the internet. And the only place I used the internet at was at school because obviously I didn't have access at home. But anyways, access in 1997 to news and information is obviously not the way it is in 2020. Because of technology, because of social media, because of Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or wherever you get your news, right? I mean, it's just not the same. Now, nowadays, news and information are in our faces 24-7. I mean, even my 11-year-old daughter, she knows information about Messi, right? That's one of her favorite athletes right now, Messi. I mean, she knows information. She knows, you know, why he celebrates the goals the way he does. And why is that? Because she has access. And me, in the 1990s, the only information that I had were books newspapers and the encyclopedia that's right i depended on the encyclopedia encyclopedia britannica to give me facts on my favorite athletes so as i'm watching the documentary and as i'm like listening to man there was this drama like they they wanted to break up the greatest team in the world that stood out to me and not only that it just showed just how uninformed i was on the whole situation you know bulls management just wanting to break apart this dynasty but I love what Jordan said, you know, so here, here we go. You know, there's, again, they're setting up, you know, the premise for the next 10 episodes that, wow, this is, this is called the last dance because they knew this was going to be the end. And basically, you know, the, the general manager was, was wanting to rebuild before the dynasty was even over. Right. Imagine that you're trying to rebuild. And I love what Jordan said. He's like, rebuild. There are no guarantees in a rebuild. The Cubs have been rebuilding for 42 years, and that hurt, man. I'm a Cub fan, so that hurt, but it's true. There are no guarantees in playing for another day. There are no guarantees in waiting for tomorrow. There are no guarantees in waiting for, well, I'll do it next year, you know? Sometimes for success to come, you have to strike when the iron's hot. Now, I don't know if you've watched the documentary, or even as you're listening to this, you're thinking, why would the Bulls management want to break up a dynasty? Why would they want to do that? If they're doing so great... They've won, you know, five championships in the past seven years. Why would they want to break up the dynasty? Well, it's simple. Ego. Jerry Krause, their general manager, thought that he could win championships without certain players. He thought it was management that actually won. And that's crazy. That's like a boss saying that they are the ones who do the most important work. And basically, hey, forget the employees. But like Jordan said, the most important part of the process is the players. So it doesn't matter how great a leader you are. If you don't have great employees doing their part, you know, your organization is not going to accomplish the things that it wants to accomplish because it is the employees. It is the people who are out there on the front line day in, day out. They're the ones who are doing the work and they are the ones who are accomplishing the organization's goals. But ego. And here's another lesson. All right. Don't let your ego get in the way of great things that are there for you. Great things like relationships can get destroyed because of a distorted ego. You can lose a great opportunity because of a distorted ego. And the reason why I'm saying distorted is because ego means, hey, you think about yourself. 
and it's okay to think about yourself. But a distorted ego means, man, you think about yourself way too much. All right. And the Chicago Bulls, they lost their chance to do greater things because of Jerry Krause's ego. I mean, he even told Phil Jackson, their coach, that it didn't matter. It didn't matter if if in the 1997-98 Bulls season, you go 82-0, which means they go undefeated. This is still your last year. Talk about a distorted ego. All right. And so let me say it again. By distorted, I mean, man, you're thinking, hey, you deserve all the credit or you deserve most of the credit. Or you're thinking, hey, that organization or that company or this is going well solely because I'm there or the thought that you're too good for something or someone. Distorted ego means, man, you're simply thinking too high of yourself. And if you're listening to this and it hits home, remember this at some point or another, if you think and continue to think or continue to think that you're too good, something will eventually come that will knock you off that high horse. So beware of becoming too egotistical. Beware of thinking you're too good because you're not. Stay humble, stay focused on you and keep working to make you and your situations better. So one more thing that I forgot to mention that stood out to me was the Bulls players entrance. Man, just the Bulls players entrance at their home stadium before the start of their games. Man, it still brings me chills when I see it. You know, it's just one of the greatest things, one of the greatest things that I'll always remember. And in fact, you know, as obviously, you know, if you, you know, if you're on sports Twitter, you know, that's you see and especially if you're a Bulls fan, you see a lot of videos just showing that entrance, man, because that song, that announcer, I don't even want to try to replicate it because I would not be doing it justice. So here goes a little snippet. Now, let's talk about some nuggets and wisdom from episode one. Three exchanges, three exchanges that jumped out to me from two all-time great coaches. And the first one went like this. Phil Jackson said this. People evolve. Things evolve. Things don't stay static and stagnant in any position. Man, that's wisdom for life, guys. Do you understand that? Do you understand that you can evolve? You can progress. You can change. That you can pick up different things as you grow older. I mean, think about some of the things that you're doing now that maybe you didn't do five, 10 years ago. I play golf now. If you would have told me when I was 15 years old that one day, hey, AC, you'd be playing golf and liking it, I would have laughed in your face. But that's the thing. Life evolves. People evolve. Life changes. And things evolve. Technology advances. The world advances. Things don't stay stagnant. The key 
goes back to what I mentioned in the beginning. How do you adapt to changes? Remember, that determines whether you thrive or simply survive in society. Now, the second negative wisdom comes from Roy Williams and the exchange he had with Jordan. Michael Jordan tells me one day he wants to be the best player to ever played here. And I said, well, you got to work harder than you did in high school. He said, I worked as hard as everybody else. I said, oh, excuse me. I thought you just told me you want to be the best player to ever play here. He said, I'm going to show you. Nobody will ever work as hard as I will. So you want to be the best. Do you understand that as you move up levels, you got to work harder than what you did in the previous level? And you have to outwork people if you want to be the best. That's what made Michael Jordan. Not because he was the most talented, because he knew no one, no one would outwork him. So what about you? Are you expecting results without the work? Are you expecting a harvest when you haven't even planted any seeds? Life doesn't work like that. You got to work. And as you move up to higher levels that bring stronger devils, you understand that as you move up to higher levels, it brings stronger devils. You have to work even harder. I mean, that's if you want to be the best. Real quick, guys, I tell my daughter this. I said, don't get comfortable starting. All right. I have to brag on her, humble brag. My daughter, she plays select soccer and she starts and she's been kicking butt the last year and a half. I've seen I've seen her progress, but I tell her, don't get comfortable starting. You have to keep working hard. You have to keep getting better because all it takes is for another girl on your team or for somebody else to come on the team to outwork you. And guess what? Suddenly you're not starting. So don't get comfortable. Now, the next nugget comes from Roy Williams again, and it's when he said that Michael Jordan was the only player that could ever turn it on and off. And he never freaking turned it off. There it is again. You, I mean, do you get that wisdom? Do you get that nugget? Do you, do you understand that that we have the ability, we have the choice that we can coast today, we can chill today, we can relax today? And, and Jordan had that too, man. I can turn it off today if I want. I can coast today if I want. I can chill today if I want. I can relax today if I want. I don't have to give it my all. <laughs> But what are you talking about? Do you want to be great? Now, and, and that's the thing. You know, we do have that ability, right, to coast, to chill, to relax. But every time you have an opportunity to serve, every time you have an opportunity to impact, every time you have an opportunity to be a blessing, do it. Don't turn it off. And that's what separates the good leaders from the great leaders. That's what separates those athletes who make it to the highest peak, right? those professionals, those leaders in whatever career that they do, that's what makes them great. That's what separates them from others is because, man, you either get comfortable or you're like, no, there, there's something else that I can do. Like there's more that I can do. I know I can do better. I know that I didn't give it my all. I mean, think about it. Teachers, speakers, pastors, we can all get to a point where we get comfortable, but the great ones, the great ones, they're not comfortable with being comfortable. They want to keep growing. But those other ones like, man, you know, we're fine. I'm fine. It's just, you know, I'm good where I'm at right now. And it gets to a point where what you're doing ceases, stops being a calling and just becomes just a job. I'm not built like that. In fact, I've told people, I've told people the minute I'm not nervous or excited about a speaking event, that's the minute I know I have to hang it up. And hopefully you're not built that way either, because in order to be great, right, if you're listening to this podcast, this mission driven podcast is because you have a mission and you want to do your best in it. And so I hope that you keep it turned on. You know, I hope like what do the youngsters say nowadays? You keep it 100 for sure. Keep it 100 all the time, baby. Right. Keep it 100. I mean, yeah, you can coast, you can chill 
and you can do all that. I mean, no one can force you to do anything. But if you want to be great and if you want to leave that lasting legacy, you never freaking turn it off. You keep it going. You keep it 100. All right. Now, let's talk about the lessons that are gathered from the last dance that maybe weren't concrete or apparent to many people who simply watch the show. Again, you guys know, right, that when I read, that when I watch or listen to something, man, I like to go in depth on whatever it is. So I did the same thing with this episode and I took five lessons, five lessons from this episode that I believe will greatly impact your life. All right. So here's lesson number one, the importance of family. In the book my brother and I wrote entitled The School of Hard Knocks, we wrote a chapter on family. And I want to share a little bit of what we wrote right now. We were made for relationships. Our interactions with others teach us, shape us, guide us. We need other people in our lives because no matter how passionate we may be about our goals and aspirations, there will come points when our enthusiasm begins to dwindle, when we get tired, when we stop dreaming, stop hoping. There will be times when it will be absolutely necessary for us to have other people to push us, to encourage us, and to rekindle the fire inside of us. These individuals are the true soldiers we can count on through thick and thin, those who stand with us and join us in our struggles so we do not have to fight alone. Now, listening to Jordan's mom talk about what she wanted from Michael as he decided what college he was going to attend, that it wasn't just about basketball for her. It was about an education showed me what she valued. The importance of education is something that she instilled in Michael. She also talked about how she wanted him to grow as a young adult. So if you're a parent listening to this, if you're a teacher listening to this, if you know you have kids who look up to you, do you see the impact that you can have on your kids? Can you see that you are the ones who shape and mold what they believe and value by what you regard as important? If they see you working hard, there's a greater chance that they're going to work hard too. If they see you going after your dreams, there's a greater chance they're going to go after their dreams too. Now, I mentioned this before. One of the biggest things I want from my daughter is for her to grow up and be a respectful, caring, and compassionate woman. I want that more than what the world equates as being successful. And don't get me wrong. I want her to accomplish her goals. I want her to be successful in whatever career she pursues. But to me, all that means little if she doesn't know how to treat people. And guess where she learns that from? From me, from her mom. So I understand that I have to be careful with what I practice. I have to be careful with how I behave because she's looking at me. So even if you're not a parent, because I talked about the importance of family, even if you're not a parent, Man, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a principal, maybe you're a mentor, maybe you're a pastor, maybe you're an older family member. You have someone looking up to you. And guess what? You are that little kids or you are your little cousins. Or you are your little brothers. You're, you're that you're that person that they're looking up to. So you you are family. Realize the importance of being there for your family member and instilling qualities that will positively impact their life. And it was evident that Jordan's parents did that because in the episode Dean Smith, who was Michael Jordan's college coach at North Carolina, he gave props to Jordan's parents and said it was clear that they did a great job with them. And isn't that what we want as parents, you know, for, for your coach or for your teacher or for somebody to be like, man, you did a great job with this kid. You did a great job with this young lady. I know that's what I want. But again, it starts with what we instill from an early age. And it starts with what we consistently preach, what we consistently teach. 
Now, lesson number two, the desire to grow. We kind of touched on Jordan's desire to want to be the best. But more than that, what that showed me, right, his desire to be the best was that he had a desire to grow. Yeah, he knew that he had this talent. Coaches knew he had this talent. Players knew he had this talent. I mean, dude was raw. But more than that, he had a desire to grow. So understand this. In order for you to get that promotion, achieve that dream, crush that goal, live that life, you have to grow. And it all starts with a desire to grow. So that means you get out of your comfort zone because your desire to grow must be greater than your desire to stay the same. Have you noticed that true change doesn't occur in your life until you finally get tired, tired of looking a way that doesn't make you happy, tired of working in a dead end job, tired of feeling unappreciated in a relationship, but nothing changes until you change and acquire the desire to want more, to grow and to be better. One of my favorite authors, Napoleon Hill, wrote the following statement in one of his books, and it goes like this. The starting point of all achievement is desire. Keep this constantly in mind. Weak desire brings weak results. Just as a small fire makes a small amount of heat. Weak desire brings weak results. So here's the question. Do you really want to grow? Then every day, make it a point to grow, to get better. Turn off Netflix and start reading a book that will edify your soul, edify your spirit. Listen to Bad Bunny later and start listening to a podcast that will feed your mind. Growth is intentional, but you have to want it. Now, lesson number three, realize there will be doubters. Michael Jordan was one of the best players in college basketball when he was drafted number three by the Chicago Bulls in 1984. And yet owners, general managers and other players still doubted him. Jordan won an Olympic gold medal in 1984 and had the confidence that success was coming in the NBA. And yet, still people doubted him. Why? Because whenever you're pursuing a goal, whenever you're pursuing a dream and ambition, there will always be doubters. So stop being surprised when not everybody is excited about your new venture. The doubters are a part of the game, but don't let them affect how you play your game. Who cares if people doubt? Let your play do the talking. And that's what Jordan did. All right, you can doubt me, but I guarantee there will be someone who doesn't doubt me. Now, I like the story that I read. It's not in the documentary, but again, it was on one of these these Twitter feeds that I was looking up. And it goes like this. So Bobby Knight coached Michael Jordan in the Olympics. And he was talking to the Portland Trailblazers general manager, right? Because in the 1984 draft, the Houston Rockets had the number one pick. Portland Trailblazers had the number two, and the Bulls had the number three. Well, there was no doubt that Hakeem Olajuwon was going to go number one, and rightfully so. Hakeem Olajuwon was a great basketball player. But number two, number two was Portland. And Bobby Knight told the general manager, like, look, I coach Jordan. I'm coaching him. He's one of the greatest players that I've ever seen. He's probably the best player I've ever coached. You have to take him at number two. And the Portland general manager was like, man, we need a center. And Bobby Knight was like, yo, play Jordan at center. All right. This is the best play. Do you understand that? This is the greatest talent I've ever seen. Play him at center. But hey, Portland didn't do that. They drafted somebody else. 
And again, there was some doubt, like, what if he's not as good? So you, you have to know that people will always doubt you, but there will always be people who don't doubt you. So the question then is, who do you believe? All right, let me say that again. People will doubt what you can do, but there will also be people who believe in what you can do and what you can offer. The key is who you choose to believe. Lesson number four, earn your stripes. So Jordan was selected number three by the Bulls. And with that came a lot of hype. And Jordan had the swagger. You know, he did have the swagger. He had the confidence. But you know what else he knew? And this is what I like about him. And this is what I want you to get from this is that he knew that he had to earn his stripes. I like what Jordan said. He said, first day of practice, I'm going to find the team leader and I'm going to go after him, but not with my voice, with my actions. Jordan said, I had no voice. I had no status. Man, I had to earn my stripes with the way I play. And some of you, you spend so much time just talking about what you're going to do. But it's not about talk. It's about action. Action produces results. Action achieves things. And to get to certain levels, you won't always get there simply with your words or simply because you feel you deserve it. You'll get there because you earned it. You earned that promotion. You earned that trust. You earned that respect. Now, the saying goes that earn your stripes comes from the military practice of awarding someone who has served and moved up in ranks. Did you hear that? You have to serve your time, that there are ranks that you have to get to, that just because you enter the game, that doesn't make you a captain, that doesn't make you a champion, that there are certain positions that you will never achieve because you want people to give you things instead of putting in the work. And guess what? Life doesn't work that way. You can't be a general man without serving in war. It's the suffering. It's the pain. It's the countless hours. It's the effort that you put in that earns your stripes. And that's something that Jordan knew. I have to earn my stripes. Now, lesson number five, play every game like it's your last. Do you realize that tomorrow is not promised to anyone? But why do we live our lives like that? Why do we put on hold saying things to people thinking there will be another time for me to express myself to them? Why do we put on hold asking for forgiveness when we know we're ready and we should but again, we get misled by the thought, well, there'll be another time. But what if another time never comes? Jordan played every game like it was his last. In the documentary, they said he never took a day off. He was a no joke. <laughs> I like that. I like that song, by the way. Eric B. and Rakim song, I Ain't No Joke. No joke. I used to let the mic smoke. I mean, Jordan was no joke. He was the real deal, but he was the real deal because he played every game like it was his last. And you can be the real deal too. Every time you have an opportunity to do your job, man, do it. Do it to the best of your ability. Use your talent. Every time you have the ability to use your talent, to lead a group, to guide your family, to love your partner, do it like it's your last time. Do it with everything you have. Now, I know that's easier said than done. And I know we all get caught up in the busyness of life. But man, what if we really grasped the idea that all we really have is just the present time that we've been given? Would you make that call or send that text? Would you then apply for that job? Would you take the risk and open up that business you've been dying to open up? Would you start painting and working on your true love, you know, art? 
I like the game they showed in episode one where Jordan as a rookie will this team to win where Jordan said, look, I'm going to play this game like it's my last game. In the documentary, they show the game where the Bulls were playing the Bucks, who at the time owned the Bulls. And in that particular game, guess what? The Bulls were losing. But you know what Jordan said? Jordan said, yo, this game, this game is not over. So let's give it our all. Come on. Like the buzzer hasn't gone off. We still have one more quarter. This game is not over. Let's play it. Let's play it like it's the last one. Like there's no guarantees that we're going to win. But man, if we give up now, we give up now before the buzzer has even gone off. We've already lost. And maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe because of the mistakes, because of the decisions that you've made, maybe you feel like your life is over. You know, disappointment, heartbreak, betrayal, loss. Man, all those things can make you feel that way. But let me tell you something. The game's not over for you. If you're still breathing, if your heart's still beating, there's still time to play. So I want to give you this piece of advice. Get up. Get back up. Go out there and give it your all. Man, do the things. Start working on the things that you said you've been wanting to work on. Because the game's not over. Go out there and give it your all. Don't waste the time you have. Nor take it for granted. Every day you're given to live is a day you have an opportunity to rise and get better. And every chance you have to shine, do it like it's your last chance. So what time is it? Game time. Go on, man. We're not one and two. Let's go ahead and play this thing, all right? Let's be ready to run now. I like that. What time is it? Game time. That about wraps up another episode with AC Cristalis. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you were encouraged. I hope that you were inspired. And I hope that you took something from this episode that will help you on your journey of success. You guys, let me know what you enjoyed from this episode. Hit me up on social media. Find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. My name is AC Cristales, all right? A-C-C-R-I-S-T-A-L-E-S, Cristales. Hit me up on social media. Let me know, hey, man. I appreciate you saying this. Thank you so much. I needed to hear this. Share this podcast with your friends. And if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts. All right. And if you have a chance, rate it and review it as well. And if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to press that follow button so that you're subscribed and you're up to date for when new episodes come out. And if you're listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Thank you again for listening. And as always, remember, the mission is now, so remain mission-driven. Until next time, faith, hope, love.